0: It's time for your local weekly analysis. Slow County Public Policy and the Law with your host, Stu Jenkins.
1: The union
2: forever. Hurrah, boys, hurrah. Down with the traitor!
0: Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help protect families and their real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases, and it has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances and to enforce the voters' decision to ban cannabis billboards on Highway 101. I've been honored to repeatedly serve as Superior Court Special Master. Here on Slow County Public Policy and the Law, you will hear from office holders, lawyers, and activists shaping your quality of life. Last week, I spoke with Jim Sudi, president of the Friends of the Oceano Dunes, He addressed the latest legal victory of the Friends against the Coastal Commission and other efforts the Friends of the Oceano Dunes are taking to guarantee public access to Oceano's Beach and the Dunes Off-Highway Vehicle Recreation Park designated by the legislature. I also had James Blattler, who is San Luis Obispo City Emergency Manager, tell us how the city and you can prepare for disasters. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. Today, I am very pleased to chat in our first hour with Chief and Assistant Chief Slow County Probation Officers Robert Reyes and Tom Midler. And they are going to tell us about the probation office's community services that protect you and that help rehabilitate folks who've been convicted of crimes. In our second hour, a true American citizen hero, Kathy Stickle, who has spent the last 18 months rescuing children from combat areas in Ukraine and Russia, will talk with us. You are going to want to hear her important perspective. But now, Chief Reyes and Assistant Chief County Probation Officer Midler, and I'm just going to refer to you as Robert and Tom, if that's okay, are here in studio to talk with us. So let's hear from them. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Well, good afternoon, Stu. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Glad to have you. Thank
2: you for having us.
0: Now, Robert, Tom, probably in that order, how did you get into the work of probation officer, and and what what led you into that? That's a a great
2: question, Stu. For myself, I actually intended to uh, be a lawyer just like you. But as you know, Mm -hmm. with uh, life, uh, you go different paths and um, alumni of Cal Poly. And so one of the things that Cal Poly and the uh, social liberal arts schools want you to do is to do an internship. And so I did an internship uh, with the probation department and um, I just sort of fell in love with the concept of what probation exists to do and Uh um, decided that's the path I wanted to take.
0: Wonderful. And uh, did you work your way up through the? Uh,
2: I did through yeah, the agency. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm in my 25th year with the probation department. Um, I started back in 1998. Most of my experience was in uh, juvenile institutions, in adult supervision, and training administration for the department. And did a lot of different things along the way.
0: That's important um, work.
2: Yeah. It, no, it's been a, been a great career. Got into management, and between 2016 to 2020, around there, I was the, uh, the assistant chief probation officer. So Tom's position for five years under uh, Chief Jim Salio and was appointed the chief in October of 2020. So I'm getting close to my third year as running the department.
0: Well, great. Well, Tom, what got you inspired to become a probation officer?
1: Well, similarly to Robert, I went to Cal Poly and needed to do an internship and uh, was looking for part-time work and so that culminated in uh, doing an internship with the probation department and uh, as I was kind of seeking out a career path and looking for a way to stay in this beautiful community um, those two things came together Uh, so I started my career working at uh, the juvenile hall and then uh, transitioned out to become a probation officer working in a variety of assignments mostly on our juvenile side of operations and uh just kind of promoted up the ranks from there uh, to supervisor, and then chief deputy in our juvenile uh, side of operations. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to have Robert tag me become the assistant chief when he took over the department. And it's been a been a great
0: ride. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, for our listeners, uh, uh, I, I think it's important to highlight how how significant Cal Poly is as a uh, contributor to our society. Uh, Internships, which is free work usually, um, but it gives uh, young people great experience. And uh, like uh, these two gentlemen, uh, when I was at Cal Poly, I got the first internship with a private law firm. Um, And, of course, that showed me what law was like. Um, And and here I am. Uh, And, of course, uh, we won't go into those stories. But um, (laughs) let's... uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that have been affecting the whole world of probation uh, of late Uh, we've had a lot of changes uh, that have happened over the last few years haven't we we've had a lot of changes I would I would uh,
2: say that those changes have been going on for about 25 years and Uh and, um, um, first, starting um, in in our juvenile side of things, uh, I want to say back in two thousand about two thousand eight, uh, two thousand ten era, a lot of changes in the juvenile side, and since then, we've seen just one reform after another over those uh, twenty five years. With um, and now, most recently, culminating with the realignment of the juvenile justice system um, from the state to the counties, and so. It's uh, been 25 years of reform. There's no more
0: youth authority. There is no more That's, youth authority. Yeah, There's no yeah. more youth authority. And, and so all, even if you have a young person under 18 who's convicted of a felony, a serious felony, they're going to be in the county juvenile system at this point.
2: Yes, they, they will be. And um, I'll let Tom sort of talk about the nuances of where our juvenile court jurisdiction kind of extends to now. So
0: Yeah, let's hear about that.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: And I I think one of the things that may be helpful to listeners is understanding that even before realignment, the county probation departments held the vast space of juvenile justice. So we were dealing with all variety of of juvenile justice uh, levels in the system from prevention, intervention uh, to the youth that are formally involved with the court and subsequently those that were removed from their homes and maybe needed a period of time away from the community, there was a, a small portion of youth that would be sent to the state facility for serious violent felonies alone. Mm-hmm. So the most serious criminal acts, you know, that a youth could be involved in, those youth were eligible for a state commitment to what, as you referenced, the California Youth Authority it subsequently changed during the, there was a prior realignment before this one, uh, that one changed the name to the Division of Juvenile Justice. So when this last realignment came, it really completely closed the door for state involvement in juvenile justice. So all juvenile justice responsibility lies at the local level with the county. And from, you know, front end, the lowest level referral we get all comes to the probation department to this highest level youth who may need a period of separation from the community in our local facility all the way up to
0: the age of 25. Now, just for our listeners, I think translating that as separation from society means they're basically in kiddie jail. They
1: would be, and our We have a variety of. Are um, ju- we have a juvenile justice center right. here in the county, and traditionally that justice center just held a juvenile hall, so a temporary facility where youth would remain for periods while they were going through court. Mm-hmm. Um, we we modified our local continuum back in 2017 to add a camp, so youth that needed to be away from their homes for a shorter period of time, maybe six to 12 months but they, they needed some kind of residential programming. Uh, we decided, we, we believed we could do it better locally than sending youth off to group homes in other counties and things like that. So we created our own camp uh, setting uh, called our Coastal Valley Academy, where youth who need that more temporary six to 12 month separation, they're, they're not successful in their homes. They continue to uh, create public safety problems in the community. And then now... There is a third piece to what we're providing in that local justice facility. Youth that need to be in a confined setting for an extended period receiving a lot of different treatment services and interventions. But it could be one, two, three, five years of lockup that a youth could potentially be uh, restricted to Mm -hmm. in our local facility. So it wasn't originally established for that purpose, but we are now holding that space in the juvenile justice system And along with that came a change to the age of jurisdiction. So before, we would only, at the maximum, keep a youth up until the age of 21 under local juvenile court jurisdiction. Okay. Now they could potentially be under our court jurisdiction and in our local facility up to the age of 23 or 25, only if they had committed one of those most serious violent felony offenses. And, of course, the offense had to have occurred... Before they turned eighteen, otherwise they would be dealt with in the adults. As system. an adult,
0: yeah. now the uh, Tom the uh, the camp the academy uh, is that located in the Chorro Valley um, uh, near the jail, or is that someplace else?
1: It is. It's located part and parcel uh, with our juvenile hall. Okay, uh, out there on off Highway One exactly, and it, it's part of that justice facility.
0: Now, Are there educational opportunities that are given to the? Uh, young people who are in the camp or in even in confinement?
1: There are. We have a really fantastic uh, relationship with our local county office of education, and they provide the high school education for all youth in the facilities, and now we are partnering with them and Cuesta College and others to expand our services to uh, post-secondary educational services. So, for example, we have at least two to three youth currently participating in college courses, uh, enrolled in classes working towards associates degrees those kinds of things and we also are starting um, our uh, career technical education curriculum so we also have hands-on vocational services for youth who maybe the traditional academic track isn't the perfect um, you know, Academic venue forum.
0: Well, that's amazing, huh? Folks, for those who just tuned in, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law here on FM 98.5. And we're speaking with Robert Reyes, the Chief Probation Officer. And you've been listening right now to Tom Midler, who's the Assistant Chief, who's in charge of a lot of the juvenile facilities, and uh, or not the facilities, the probation of the young people now. Um, Tom, when uh, when somebody is in the academy or they're in the confinement, eventually they're released. Are they released on probation so that you're monitor- monitoring their activities?
1: They are, and I'll just say... Um I, though I probably would do better if I was related to Bette Midler, it's, uh, my last name is actually Milder. Milder, I'm sorry. It. But it happens all the time, <laughs> and, and some, I should probably just uh, go with it. because. But uh, yes, absolutely, the youth, when they're re- released from our facility, are uh, placed on some type of supervised probation in the community working uh-huh. with uh, one of our officers uh, in a community-based setting. And oftentimes, for example, if they're leaving our Coastal Valley Academy, they leave with very intensive wraparound services to give them everything. Every opportunity to have every support they need when they return home uh, to be successful and not return to our to our local facilities.
0: Well, that's wonderful, Robert. Hearing Mister Midler, Milder, 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 Milder it, yeah. who I'm sure is much tougher than his name, because <laughs> um, you've got to be tough to be a probation officer as well as patient. When you look at the uh, programs that are provided for these juvenile offenders after their release. Uh, How successful are they? Are you seeing a high rate of recidivism, or are you seeing that uh, most of these young people are uh, put into a path where they can contribute to their society and be successful?
2: Yeah, we we are not seeing a high rate of recidivism um, um, within our juvenile population that's under our supervision. Um, I I think we do a very good job of um, helping to launch them. Um, out of juvenile probation. Now, some of that we were lucky because we we do have a very manageable um, small population. So one of the benefits of that is we have a lot of flexibility, adaptability, and and resources that we can uh, focus on an individual youth. Um, We have done a good job with our um, county partners, both the courts um, law enforcement, um, our behavioral health, and um, uh, other partners to really work hard in making sure that we, we as the probation department as being part of the juvenile court uh, justice system, that we're really only taking the youth that we absolutely have to take. And our first option will always be to try to divert them away from the juvenile justice system. And so, for example, last year of all our, all our law enforcement referrals we received, uh, we, we diverted 56% of youth, um, so we were able to avoid them having to at least enter the juvenile justice system at the, the point that we received a referral. So I, I think a lot of why I think we, we've been successful is we've really, we really done a good job of really making sure, working with our partners, that this is an appropriate youth to be in the juvenile justice system.
0: And, you know, having been a public defender to the juvenile courts early in my career, I, I think the toughest job for a judge is actually being in juvenile court because uh, you know, you not only have to be patient and sensitive, but you have to be able to um, really discern how to help these young people advance instead of backsliding, and, and frequently their parents how to help their parents right. do the job of parenting that they actually need. You know,
2: Absolutely. And, and I, what I like to um, tell new officers um, is what we have, and I, I try to tell everybody that, you know, it's, it's uh, our juvenile population is that, you know, teenage population that if you're a parent, that you survive your, your, own, your own kid's teen years, uh, it's hard enough to be a teenager. Um, now you pile on um, uh, youth with often a very significant history that started early, early age. Many of our youth had a history with child welfare before they came to us. Yeah. You're talking about a, a lot of significant family instability and trauma. So when you layer all that, those are the, the youth that we, we are charged with doing everything we can to try to correct uh, not only their behavior, but address both the individual needs that they may have and also try to address the family family needs that um, that without having a strong family support, they could sort of fall back into those um, behaviors that got him in the system in the first place. So it's um, the advantage I have I feel very lucky and, and I think what I want the listeners to know and and hopefully the, the our county residents should appreciate it, is that Tom um, really is a he's considered a subject matter expert when it comes to juvenile justice not only the law but just the way we handle things across the state and so I know I'm lucky to have him as my assistant in that area because he's um, his reputation is 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 high when it comes around the state to our, our, our colleagues so um, um, he he could speak more to
0: this the complexities of the cases that we we have to deal with um, well here's here's a natural question sure because uh, you're both public servants mm-hmm. um, the probation office uh, serves the, all the people of the county of San Luis Obispo. If you've got a parent who's feeling like their child is going off the rails, are there things they can do or people they can contact, uh, either in your office or in related offices at this point?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing about this county, we have a very robust uh, set of services for youth and families, and it's well coordinated across the departments from social services to probation to beha- to behavioral health so really you could use any of those points of entry as a contact we have officers for example that work in prevention and diversion as as robert said we we do a good job at the front end of really identifying who's high risk to the community to commit criminal acts versus those that are high needs, that really just need support, intervention, right. and services. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome to call us at our, at our Juvenile Services Center, and we can get
0: someone connected. Um, Tom, what, what's the number people could call if they had a high-risk child or Absolutely. If they knew of one?
1: That would be uh, business hours number would be 805-781-5352.
0: And could you repeat that?
1: And uh, 805-781-5352 would get you connected to our Juvenile Services Center. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, we will always have an officer of the day who's available uh, to take calls and and can help folks get connected. But we also, you know, really the youth services uh, divisions of any of those departments can also make that connection. So behavioral health, youth services, uh, Department of Social Services, child welfare division. Uh, In this county, we have something called the system of care uh, Mm -hmm. and services affirming family empowerment system of care. And what essentially that is, is an interagency collaborative of interdisciplines. So there's a social worker and a probation officer, someone from uh, behavioral health, drug and alcohol services, maybe from the schools where families with really high needs youth or children can have their cases presented in this multi-agency collaborative and have a plan developed for them that's tailored uniquely for them, built off their strengths, built off their needs, and they have access to this system without having, you know, to enter the juvenile justice system, for example. Well,
0: now, Tom, when, uh, when those programs are uh, engaged with a family or a child, how long uh, generally do you see people in, involved in them? All the way till they're adults, or or is it usually a year or two before they're back on their feet?
1: You know, it depends if they're just someone accessing that system of care. You know, they want to be as as stay in as long as needed, but also not too long. So it really mm-hmm. is with the aim of getting that family to self sufficiency within a six months or so if it's okay. accessing the system of care. Um, and if it's someone who enters the formal system and gets on probation, for example, with one of our officers, that's more in the 6- to 12-month range and can be longer depending on uh, the nature of that youth's needs and risks and whether they need something like our academy or or they experience a stay in our juvenile facility, then oftentimes that those cases are going to take a bit longer.
0: Well, folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law here on KNews 98.5. We're talking with Chief and Assistant Chief, Slow County Probation Officers, Reyes and Milder. I want to tell folks to be sure and tune in September 2nd at 10 a.m. to hear the Paso Robles Fire Chief, Jonathan Stornetta, talk with me about what citizens can do to change the way the state fire marshal treats local communities. Then, if you own any building or are building one, listen to attorney and expert witness Dan Knight talk about how you can remedy construction defects and denial of permits. We're going to be right back after a uh, news break here pretty soon and we're going to have a whole lot more to talk to with Tom Milder and Chief Reyes. Stay tuned.